Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Friday by my main man, Derek Bell. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or anywhere you get your podcast today. We're diving deep into the Pittsburgh Steelers versus the Atlanta Falcons week 13 on the road. Can the Steelers form a winning streak? I think that is the biggest question. We'll dive into everything and anything surrounding the game. But first, it is a beautiful, beautiful day here in the Berg. Um, Was checking comments today, yesterday, and it's been a while since somebody has said that they don't want to hear about the weather at the beginning of the podcast. So in my head, we have beaten the haters. So I'm going to ask you this. How are you feeling, my friend? It's, it's tradition at this point. I went to take, I went to see if my trash ran uh, as soon as I got up. And man, it's like, it's like 50 degrees outside. It was freezing this morning when I got home from work, like 20 oh, yeah. degrees. And then I wake up from my nap and it's, you know, 50 degrees. So I'm, I thought that was pretty good. I got a little serotonin boost. <laughs> feeling pretty good before hopping on the pod so the little yeah. kick of vitamin feeling d ready. there yeah feeling good ready to talk some ball yeah i feel that one you know it's uh i've been going on the runs trying to keep up with you guys it's always like 25 degrees when i go on these runs and i'm like what are we and then by noon when i'm rocking a full sweatsuit i'm in it's 75 degrees so uh you know you got to do what you got to do all right let's start with some Questionable injuries. Jalen Warren and TJ Watt listed as questionable heading into the weekend. Warren practiced all week. Watt was limited with a rib injury. I think both of them somewhat surprising and good news. Najee Harris will play after being limited just one day throughout the week with an oblique injury that actually sent him to the hospital after the game. I mean, do you expect Jalen Warren to miss this game? Do you think that I mean, something had to happen. Like, there's no way that you're just being that precautionary, right? Yeah, it's kind of odd to see somebody with a questionable designation, like non-concussion-wise, um, after they practice in full all week. So th- it is something to note. I'm not really 100% sure on what the plan is. Maybe maybe last week's effectiveness with Ant and Benny um, off the bench you know, once Najee got hurt, maybe that's causing them to be a little more cautious and maybe slow play his injury. Um, but I, honestly, I don't know. That's all speculation. Anytime I see a guy with three straight full full participant days, I'm thinking he's going to play. So that's what I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess that Warren plays. Um, but, you know, the good news is Najee did say he was playing. So I think that that's a, definitely a good thing. Yeah, definitely a good thing that Najee's back. With Warren, it's just weird because he told us on Monday that he – or Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday, that he was cleared to play and that he was going to play this weekend. I just think, like, what else is there to show you in a walkthrough? Like, hey, you know, I was in full contact all week long and we were good, but that Saturday walkthrough, I'm going to let you know if I'm really good to make sure that I'm I'm ready to go. Like, it just doesn't – it just doesn't make sense, but you could be right. Like it could be looked at as he's a rookie. He missed a whole week of practice. Benny Snell played pretty well. Anthony McFarland played pretty well. You know, it's not that big of a loss if he doesn't go. And I think they'd rather Najee go than him. Uh, do you think that, you know, maybe they rushed? Like, do you think that it would have went the other way around? Cause all week we've been talking about, and the thought was, well, if Najee doesn't go, this is Jalen Warren's first start. 
now we we're here the other way around. It kind of feels like that was never the plan in their eyes at all, that no matter what, they were going to kind of either let Najee rock or let, you know, maybe Benny rock and be the starting running back. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll have to see. I'm not really sure. I, I'm banking on both of them playing. That's just, that's just yeah. where I'm going. Um, we'll have to see um, what they do come, you know, Sunday morning. But I, I think both of them play. I think we may see a little bit more diversification as far as the workload between the backs. Um, do you think maybe, a, you know, a lot of Benny? You think a, well, maybe even more, maybe even more so than we've seen. I mean, they have been like limiting Najee's carries a little bit better this year, trying to get Warren involved more. Maybe Benny does like take a series. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not ready to sit here and say that. You know, Benny's earned his way into that rotation, but with both of those guys, <laughs> but with both those guys banged up, maybe that's something that we see. I uh, I was on a podcast yesterday, and shout out to uh, Britsburg Owen. And they asked me if this was the revival of Benny Snell Jr. And, you know, as much as I want to say yes, because I do, I think Benny's a good guy. You know, it's a no. I think he's very quality back for what he does. And I think if Jalen Warren wasn't around, he'd be a quality back to do a little bit more. But, you know, you got to keep your expectations very, very limited when it comes to a guy who's in his fourth year and is now playing as the third back. Um, so you expect both of those guys to go. The other side of the, the injury report was TJ Watt questionable with a rib injury limited all week. You know, TJ Watts, uh, that to me, that's more surprising or I guess equally surprising as Jalen Warren, because if Najee's good to go off one limited practice, why is TJ Watt questionable with three limited practices? It makes you think maybe that injury is a little bit more serious than it appears on paper. Yeah. I'm not really sure how healthy Watt is in general. It might be a combination of things, you know, him working back from that peck still. Um, you know, he was a little quiet last week, but I'm not sure how much of that was really injury related. I think that the Colts just did some things schematically on purpose that kind of yeah, limited his effectiveness. But yeah, I mean, having Watt back back in the lineup is huge. I mean, you can tell the defense, you know, is a complete it's completely different, obviously, with him in the game. So him being able to go this week is extremely important if you're looking to extend that win streak. I'm gonna guess he plays. That's just my opinion. Yeah. But, Anybody um, who's ever guessing TJ Watt is not yeah, going to play. I mean, it's going to be difficult to get get that dude on the sideline unless, you know, something's something's really wrong. And I just, with him yeah. being a limited participant, at least in practice all week, I just think it's one of those things where they're just being more cautious than anything else. Yeah, there's like, we sat here for four weeks maybe and talked about, oh, is TJ Watt going to play with a torn peck? I feel like a rib injury that allowed him to practice is more than expected to be one that he plays through. Um, I agree. I don't expect anybody to be out except for Akello in this game. I want to touch on Akello because Akello is your guy. You know what I mean? Like he was your guy coming into the season. My biggest question mark when it comes to Akello right now, why is he still on the active roster? Why is he not on? A, like it doesn't make any sense for the Pittsburgh Steelers to keep this man off of IR and just hold a roster spot for a guy that hasn't even practiced since week three, practiced three times since week three played two quarters of football since then, like just shut him down. Just shut him, just shut him down for four weeks. Minimum. 
those soft soft tissue injuries, man, they're so tricky. They're just hard to gauge on when when guys are gonna be able to be themselves. And you know, and I'm not making excuses for him. I mean, it's it's very clear what happened in Philly. I mean, they, yeah, yeah, he got, he got beat two two different times um, for touchdowns. Uh, one where they left him on an island with AJ Brown, and that's kind of that's what they wanted him to come in here and do. I mean, that's that's the reason they brought him back, and he didn't hold up. But I think it's very obvious to me that he wasn't fully healthy and that's kind no, of a, definitely not. that's a tough spot to put any corner in, especially when you're going up against a guy like AJ Brown in Philly, but you know, him not practicing since that game just tells me, you know, he's just not ready to go. And also one thing that's kind of interesting about Akilo that I noticed when I was at training camp, that dude spent more time stretching than any oh, he's the most flexible ever. human being ever. Yeah, I mean, it was ever. incredible. Like he would be the would be the one guy that you would think would never have issues with that, just because like he just spends mm-hmm. so much time doing that. So it's just it's just weird. At corner two, um, you know, if an offensive lineman pulls a hamstring, like they can play around that maybe yeah. a little bit better. Cornerback is a stopwatch position. If you can't run, it's over. Like it's just yeah. if you have anything limiting your mobility. And that that extra gear at the top, it, it's going to be really hard to play through that. So, um, as far as your question about the injury reserve thing, man, I don't. I mean, obviously they would have did it. I think if they had the foresight of you know knowing that he wasn't going to be able to make it back anytime soon, it's just I think those soft tissue injuries. And they had some questions at corner. I mean, they even they made a trade for a corner a couple of weeks ago. So maybe it's just yeah, that, and then that, put him you know, on IR. Yeah, maybe maybe it's just that they don't know. They didn't know if uh you know they would have the luxury of putting him on there. I don't think that they actually. I know that the Steelers did not anticipate James Pierre playing like he's playing because no, yeah, they're definitely not. They've been, they've been so hesitant to put him in the lineup all year, even when other guys have struggled. They did it against Indy finally, so maybe he's back in their good graces. But it's just very clear to me that like they don't trust some of the guys they have on the roster right now. Yeah. Um, so maybe that plays into it as well. Yeah. But I agree just with like you. Hoping... It, is frustrating. it is frustrating holding up a spot for, you know, a guy that really hasn't been able to play this year. No, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make, and I, you don't replace him with, there's nobody to replace him with, but like when DeMarvin Leal comes back, you're going to cut somebody instead of putting a Kello on IR. Like, I just, I don't know about that one. Um, I agree with you. I, with the Pierre thing, I don't know if you saw, TA's uh, presser the other day, but when I think it was Jim Wexel asked how close Pierre was to getting cut, TA just like gave a smirk and then he was like, that's not my, that's, that's not my pay grade. And it was like, yeah, it is. You know, you make that call, buddy. You like, you, there's no way Mike and Omar are sitting around going, all right, we're just going to cut random guys without talking to our coaching staff about who we should cut. So you, yeah, yeah he was very close. The turnaround, though, obviously huge. I I like James. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good player. You know, he's just he he need he's a very much developmental piece to the defense, but he's still very young. Like he's a third year cornerback, and the first year didn't count essentially. So, you know, toss him into the flames. But I think he's got some potential. All right, let's stick with the defensive side of the ball. Talk Marcus Mariota, Cordell Patterson, who I just learned has the longest first name in the history of the NFL. Way too many R's. You look at this offense, and obviously what stands out is their ability to run the football. I talk to pretty much everybody, and everybody says Cordell Patterson runs as angry as anybody in the NFL. Marcus Mariota is a big dude. He's, you know, essentially a, a 
I don't know how to phrase this without saying a smaller Josh Allen, but he's a smaller Josh Allen when he runs the football. Uh, when you look at this group, what do you see from those guys? What stands out to you about uh, Mariota, Patterson, London, the whole nine? Yeah, I mean, Arthur Smith has kind of recreated this offense that he had in Tennessee just with the pieces that have kind of been allotted to him. Um, they've got some issues on, on offense, but in my opinion, they've really, really overachieved this year for what they've got, which I think is a testament to Arthur Smith, his scheme, a lot of the things that they do on offense. Um, Mariota's playing a game manager role right now. They're, they're doing everything they can to keep the ball out of his hands. You know, he's always been a fairly accurate quarterback. Um, he's going to put the ball where it needs to go. He's a little bit erratic in his decision-making. He will take some sacks, although I think he's been doing a little bit better job this year. Um, but accurate, you know, a decent arm, good mobility. You know, he can extend plays. They will use him a little bit in the uh, in the run game as well, just on design run plays, on like zone reads, quarterback reads, stuff like that. Um, but, you know, this is very clearly an offense that has an identity, and that's to pound the rock. And that's what they yeah. do. They don't care if you know it. They don't care who knows it. They're going to run the ball until you absolutely force them to, to throw it. So that that's really the theme. And you mentioned Cordero Patterson. I mean, the resurgence that he's had, like, you know, since being moved to running back is really incredible. Oh. You just don't see stories like that. Nope. Um, but even even when he's been hurt this year, they've still been able to run the ball, which I think is really a testament to – their offensive line play, their scheme, that they've been able to get it done with other guys. You know, they've got the rookie, Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley's running the ball well. I mean, they've got a lot of different guys that have been, you know, that have shown capable for sure. Oh, 100%. And, and I think it's awesome, the the story of Patterson. You know, like, you don't see that. You, you don't see a wide receiver be able to turn into this nasty physical runner because you watch him play and he – almost never avoids contact ever like he sometimes he makes contact and you're just like all right sounds good and he and he still gets through it uh it's a different style of ball did you see any change when you watch the film watch them live where they utilized pits and now they don't have the ability to work that part of their offense no, <laughs> no, because they weren't they weren't immediate now correctly. They weren't re- using pits cor- correctly anyway, to be honest with you. So th- here's the thing. They they are so limited in what they can do offensively through the air that the weapons. I'm not saying they don't matter. It's just they don't matter nearly as much as you would want them to. If you're a Falcons fan or if you're an NFL yeah. draft fan. Because, you know, Kyle Pitts, he had 1,000 yards as a rookie. He's definitely, like, one of the most physically gifted players we've ever seen at that position. And they pretty much turned him into, like, a left tackle because all he does is block. And then when he when he gets there on the ball, he has he had, a, like, the league's worst, like, on-target percentage. Like, Mariota and him just did not have a connection. They could never hook up. Even Drake London's numbers – are a little bit I mean they're decent for a rookie but they're probably underwhelming for what you would think for a guy that they spent such a high pick on um and it's really because they don't have a drop back passing game they just yeah, don't exactly have it it's everything runs off of their run game they're a heavy zone team they run zone like 90 percent of the time it's like the highest like differential between zone and gap in the league 
and they run all their play action stuff off of that. 40% of Mariota's pass attempts this season have been off play action. I mean, there, there is, you just don't see him do a lot of three-step drop and get the ball out. Like even the quick game stuff, there is no vertical passing offense without that play action element to it. Really. Um, Mariota does have like one of the highest a dots, like average depth of target in the league, but it's the majority of that is just coming off of play action. They're just taking a lot of play action. They run. I was going to say, do they just like that? take play action, toss it deep every single time? It's, it's very much different than the way that the Steelers use play action. The Steelers use play action more often to like get on the outside, move the pocket, move the launch point for the quarterback and just throw into like the flats and that area. Um, the Falcons use it to get vertical because they can't get vertical otherwise. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, do you, there's a comment from Anthony here in the chat. We get to see a lot of Terrell Edmonds. The, the Steelers statistically have stopped the run better than they have in the last two years, I believe. And that was the storyline all week long. But do you think it's as big as the storyline? Like, do you think it's as big as the headlines to say that? they've progressed enough where you feel very confident against this run attack. I mean, it's always a cause for concern when you're playing a team that has, to me, if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm more scared of teams that have like a very clear identity on what they want to do offensively. Like, especially, especially when you're not a good team, but you have an identity that at least makes somebody a little bit scary. You know what I'm saying? And Yeah, 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 The Falcons, they've been super competitive this year in most of their games because they have an identity. They can do one thing, and they can do it really well. Like, if you actually look, the Falcons, who I think a lot of people could struggle to name a couple guys on their offensive line or their running backs, um, they're top five in rushing EPA per play, and they're top five in success rate. So that's a really good run offense. I mean, that's exactly what you want. you know, to control the game and give yourself a chance every Sunday. So um, to answer Anthony's question, too, about Edmonds being in a box, the Falcons face, like, the third most stacked boxes in the league. Like, the Steelers and are going And they still to have that success rate? They are going to put guys in the box. It's, yeah. What do you I do? Mean, like, what do you, if you're the, what what do they do so well? How are they able to you have to make, just eliminate have, a defense? You have to make Mariota beat you over the top. If if Mariota hits a couple deep balls, then good good on them. You just don't just disregard anything down the field, um, and to, and just live with your you know post safety stick Minka back there, put eight in the box, and you just got to get off the field. You got what the main thing too is um, when you're facing teams like this that love to run the ball, you got to limit like those first down runs too. If if Atlanta, because that's the thing with Atlanta too that I noticed like on film. If Atlanta can stay in those like second and sixes, third and twos, third and third, third and threes, like most yeah. NFL teams, when they get in like third and two, third and three, now they're going quick passing game. Atlanta is comfortable running the ball. Like if you don't stop them and they're they're consistently able to get these chunks of four and five yards, they're going to continue to run the ball, and they've got good pieces up front to like make that happen. Like I think that. Um, Chris Lindstrom, their guard, has been playing yeah. at like an all-pro level. I mean, they've got a couple really good guys um, on their offensive line. You know, Caleb McGarry's played really well. Jake Matthews has played pretty well. Um, this is a solid offensive line. They're much better in terms of like run blocking, in my opinion, than pass blocking. But it's just 
their identity on offense is like when they do pass, it's all play action, it's move the launch point, um, stuff like that. They don't have like a vertical drop back typical passing game that you would see in like Cincinnati or anything like that. All right, so you just eliminate it all, stack the box, say whatever. I and that's the thing though, like I don't know who who is Atlanta's other wide receiver across from Drake London. So they've got um they've got Zacchaeus. He's been playing really well. Oh, I, yes, I know yes. that. Um he's had a pretty good year, actually. He's kind of been maybe one of their like revelations. You know, he definitely doesn't need to be like their wide receiver too, but they're going to get they remember they traded for Brian Edwards and then they let him go because he couldn't beat Zacchaeus out. So wow, they've got some guys, that. they've got some guys that, you know, can do some things in the passing game. I mean, I think Drake London's going to be a good player. I just, I think that there's some very obvious limitations to, you know, what they can do offensively right now with Mariota. And, yeah. you know, we've got Demir, uh, Demir Bird, too. Um, Hyde oh, yeah, true. is their other But I guy. think that these guys are, like, you know, Drake London's a very physical guy, but they're physical wide receivers instead of, very athletic wide receivers. I mean, Drake London's just a freak, but you know, he's still more physical than anything. And I think that matches up well with guys like Cam Sutton and Levi Wallace. Do you expect that, you know, before we flip over to the offense, do you expect a, like in my mind, you switch back to Arthur Millette in a slot for this game because he's your best run stuffing slot corner. And then you move Cam to the outside and that's how you approach this matchup. It, it, it might be like that. Um, on early downs still, but I don't, yeah, I just yeah. don't know how much, I don't know how much we're going to see. I don't know how much we're going to see them in general because the Falcons are an 11 personnel, 32% of the time that's second to last in the league. I mean, they just, they're a really heavy team. They want to be in 12 personnel, even without Kyle Pitts. Like you would think you lose your number one tight end. You don't want to play in 12 personnel. They're still in 12 personnel a lot. They'll use a fullback um, 22, 13, anything that, Anything to get more big bodies up on the line of scrimmage, that's that's what they want to do. They're going to turn this into a street fight. And that's, you know, kind of like what we've seen. Um, I keep going back to the Titans just because there's so much Titans-like stuff in the Falcons' run game. Yep. Um, think about how the Titans have wanted to play the Steelers in, like, recent years when we played them almost yearly up until, you know, 2022. They want to turn it into a street fight. They want to make you stop the run, and then they want to run those play action like in breakers, over routes, posts, glance routes, stuff like that. That's what they want to do on offense. Atlanta's the same exact way. They just don't have as good of a quarterback. And, you know, instead of Derrick Henry, they're kind of running with this platoon of young guys. But they've still made yeah. it work. I mean, they're still, you know, top five rushing team in the league. So it's definitely, to me, um, it's a very straightforward game plan. If they stop the run, they will win this game. And barring like a turnover barrage from Kenny in the offense, they stop the run. And when I mean stop, not hold them under 100 yards, just hold them to like 100, 120 yards. And as long as, you know, you're able to get some stops, maybe in the red zone, they're going to win the game. Yeah, I agree. Dogfight is very winnable for the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially this season compared to others. All right, let's talk offensive side of the ball. But first, we got a word from our boys over at True Classic. The holidays are almost here, and there are plenty of t-shirt cheer thanks to our sponsor, True Classic Tees. Fellas, we have the perfect gift for your wish list. True Classic Tees are a gift for you, for her, and a great present for any guy in your life. 
True Classic is on a mission to maximize men's confidence by making them look good. Trust me when I say that this is a gift that the ladies will appreciate too. True Classic has already helped over 2 million men look great in their tees, and now you can save big while you do as well. So, while you do too. They, you never like when there's a misprint in an ad read. Always screws you up. Anyways, get 25% off at True Classic with my exclusive link, trueclassic.com slash allstealers. And the discount doesn't stop there. You'll save even more during their worldwide site sale. Support our show and check them out at trueclassic.com slash allstealers. If you're rocking a Santa bod, True Classics might be the best Christmas present you've been waiting for. Almost all men's t-shirts are designed to look good on certain body types. Well, True Classics designed a t-shirt to make the fellas of all bodies and all sizes feel confident in their clothing. These tees taper off towards the bottom, but they fit tighter around the chest and shoulders. This is a desirable look that could be achieved by every body type. Trust me. I know. They give you the wide shoulders and tapered bottom look that we're all looking for, and the quality of the t-shirts are elite. From going to the gym to your first date, there's no better look than a fresh tee. They offer other menswear as well, ranging from polos to workout shirts to even boxer briefs designed to keep your boys feeling nice and comfortable. They make it super easy to build out your wardrobe with their elite true classic quality. They have a pack builder on their website where you can custom bundle all you want and save even more. And for my big fellas out there, they have long options for the tall guys and up to triple XL. True Classic also makes the perfect gift or stocking stuffer for all the men in your life. Dad bods got you covered. Rip bods, you know it. Your average Joe, yes, sir. Get yourself or someone you love the number one gift on Santa's list. It's a gift for you, but really a gift for her. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com slash all stealers. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com slash all stealers. Santa won't be the only one slaying thanks to True Classic. Never like an ad read, a mis- a misprint on an ad read. Never like it. Throws you right off. Anyways. You're going to have to get on them for that. Yeah, yeah. Let me just go tell them. Hey, guys, look at look at all Steelers talk. You got to you got to do better for us. Um, yeah, I don't think people, you know, understand that Manscaped never screws up. We're going to get hate for that one. Can't wait for that email. Anyways, let's talk offensive side of the ball. When it comes to the Steelers, we talked injuries. Najee Harris is good to go. Jalen Warren, questionable. Benny Snell, we said what we expect there. When you look at Atlanta's defense, dogfight on offense, do you expect a dogfight as well? On defense, do they have the same grit and grit? No, okay, it's a big no. no. You never when no. it's just like the side look. This is how you know when it's when it's just like you're you're totally wrong. When you when, this is the look. I'm I'm gonna I'm calling I'm calling my shot this week. I'm I'm gonna go real oh, yeah. real ballsy. I, I think I think this is the I think this is the breakout game for Pickett. I, I do. I think it's the breakout okay. game. For What's the breakout game for Pickett? You're talking. Um, it really wouldn't surprise me if um, if he threw as many touchdowns on Sunday as he's thrown all year. Come You're by. saying a three touchdown game for Kenny this Atlanta Pickett. defense isn't good, man. Ooh, it's not. Hoo, hoo, hoo. 
Wow. Nah. Three touchdown game for Kenny Pickett. Wow. I, 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 my original prediction was um, a multi-touchdown game, but I just nah, – You're going to I feel I feel really confident that they're going to be able to get wow. this Wow. I, I mean, the, the secondary is okay. I mean, it's not, like, completely terrible. They got A.J. Terrell, who um, he struggled a little bit this year, just more so because he hasn't been, like, completely healthy, at least from what I've seen. Um, Casey Hayward got hurt early in the year, and they've yeah. kind of been rotating random guys in the secondary. I like Richie Grant, but I just think the Steelers have the advantage on the outside. And they don't have – I mean, they really got one pass rusher who really, really scares you, and that's Grady Jarrett. Aside from that, the rookie, uh, Arnold Ebiketti, he is also questionable. So, like, I'm not really sure if he's playing this week or not. I assume that he will because he was a limited participant. I don't know how much he's going to play. Um, but this isn't really a good pass rushing team. And, you know, their bottom five – and EPA per play, their bottom five and success rate. I mean, it's it's not a it's not a good defense. So I think that the Steelers just with, with the way they've been playing over the past couple of weeks and some of the things I saw from Pickett on Monday night, I just think that they're gonna be able to continue to have some success on offense. Wow. Wow. Even with what I expected from this game, I did not expect a three touchdown performance from Kenny Pickett. Wasn't on my mind. I just didn't think he was there yet. I didn't think that was possible but if it's that bad like what let's let's because if the falcons defense is that bad let's let's circle this way then what did kenny pickett show you on monday that said this dude's next step could be a three touchdown performance part of that is just like i think there's some positive touchdown regression coming like the the throw he had yeah. to Deontay, the fade route was a really good oh, ball. That, was nice. that ball needs yeah. to be caught. And even like the Pickens one wasn't as bad as I thought it was live. I mean, Pickens probably needs to get I mean, he was he had his arms out one arm outstretched, but like he probably could have dove and got both hands on it. Yeah. Um but I just think like there's some positive touchdown regression coming anyway. And like really when you look at what Kenny's done just over the past couple of weeks, again, I don't um, it's not enough to get me like super excited to where like the Steelers are, you know, they've got this franchise elite level quarterback or they're about to make a postseason run. But at the same time, like I, he is playing better over the past three weeks than he yeah. did before the bye. And I think that a lot of the things that they're doing schematically are helping him. And, you know, that does get me excited about where he could potentially go. And just on Monday in particular, I thought that there were examples of good pocket movement. I thought that he he showed one early in the game. Um, he had one. There was a simple curl route to Deontay Johnson, and he threw it a full step before Deontay broke. And I thought that that, that was the first time that I had really seen him do that, throw with that type of anticipation. And that's like little stuff that I look for when I'm doing like my film study that gets me excited about young quarterbacks. When they're starting to take those strides to – you know, uh, level up their game in those ways. Like that get that gets me excited. And just in the past three weeks, Kenny's had five big time throws according to Pro Football Focus. Only two turnover worthy plays. So wow. you look at how often he was turning the ball over before the bye week, and that largely has not been the case since the bye. So I'm just looking 
for you know gradual development and i'm thinking he's improving on some different things there was a lot of people that was uh yelling at me about the sack but you know other than the sack that he took that knocked him out of field goal range i was really really happy with how he played i thought that there was a lot of good things that he did yeah i agree i i i loved everything that almost everything that kenny did on Monday night, it was the first time that I actually felt like, oh, okay, look at like there's there's an actual future. Like we could stop talking about the big if and just say, now we can start talking about how quickly can this all come together. You know, like until Monday, it was, yeah, we need to see this, we need to see that. Now it's okay, yeah, like that first step was there, it happened. Let's take the second step, let's take the third step because I think you have to get to a starting point. I think that's where he is. Do you see? a breakout game coming for Deontay Johnson. I think that's the only other question that this offense has at this point is everybody and their mother believes that Deontay Johnson is the worst wide receiver in football history. At least that's what the comments on my YouTube, on my uh, to go podcast today said 43 of them. Everybody. I got ratioed hard, hard. I, in my defense or my argument was Deontay is not bad. Kenny Pickett does not see him while he's open because statistically Deontay Johnson is the most open wide receiver in football, but you got to hit him while he's open and he doesn't run the same route pattern as George Pickens or do the things that George Pickens does where it's easier to find. Yeah. I think that Deontay's played better than his numbers would indicate. There's just Deontay kind of, to me is, um, He's polarizing for the fan base, and I can understand why. It's just because a lot of the things that he does really well, you're not going to be able to tell from the broadcast angle unless you're really paying attention to him on a snap-by-snap basis. And just the way this Steelers offense is really ran, and like, I think another part of it is the Steelers, since the bye, play better. But if you really look at why they're playing better, it's because they're running the ball. So, like, Deontay isn't getting the, you know, he isn't going to get the same recognition because, you know, there's been some off-target throws. There's, you know, he he had a bad drop last week. You know, he catches that slant. He, you know, doesn't get upfield. He goes, you know, backwards. He's had some of those plays where he's just trying to make water out of wine. But the Steelers are trying to, I think, establish an identity as a run-first team. And, you know, they've ran for, you know, 200 yards three weeks ago. Last week they ran for 172. Like this, they're trying to take more of the load off of Pickett's shoulders because, you know, it was very clear in the first month that he and, you know, let's face it, the majority of rookies are not ready to come in and throw 40 times a game. So they're trying to take some, you know, take some of that load off of his shoulders. And, um, you know, but I'm not worried about Deontay. I I know like a lot of people – a lot of people are playing this like revisionist history game where like shouldn't have paid him. I think that that's nonsense, but that's just my opinion. I, uh, when I look at receivers, man, I want guys that can get open. Deontay does that just as good as anybody else. It's just they kind of have a limited passing game right now, with, such as life. You know, sometimes with a limited, um, you know, uh, I'll say middling offensive coordinator at best, even on his good days, and then you know a rookie quarterback. So. So just to just to keep up with the live numbers here, we're at 24 likes on that video, 54 comments. So that is a clear representation that I am getting totally blasted about my opinion on Deontay Johnson. But I agree. I think that he's playing way better if you watch the film on Deontay Johnson. And I agree with you. I think this is a run heavy 
football team right now that's actually working. Like this is an offense that they wanted to make happen from the start. It didn't happen early in the season. They had to revert to Kenny Pickett throwing the ball 45 times a game. And now they're kind of slowing down and Najee's getting going that whole nine. Good. But I also want to say this too. Like, I think that sometimes narratives can get in the way of what's actually happening on a week to week basis. Just inside of a fan base. And like a good example of that is like people still treating this offensive line as if they're, you know, the worst offensive line in the league like they were last year. And this offensive line, while it's still as a whole collectively probably below average, they are so much better than they were last year. I mean, I think Pat Meyer deserves, you know, legitimate praise for some of the things that he's done um this season i mean they're able to run the ball this year so much better than they were um you know last year you know going out and getting james daniels mason cole i think both of those guys have been rock rock steady even though i think chooks has had more of an inconsistent year or more of a down year than i would have liked especially after giving him that contract extension they've done some good things and i i think that that we have to acknowledge like when you're in a rebuild like this that things aren't always going to be easy and you have to be flexible with your opinions. Like when, when we go and see um, an offensive line play like they did last week against the Colts, which was really freaking good. We have to give them credit for that. And I think that that's sometimes something that frustrates me is like, you know, just because, and even like Deontay, when he has good games, it's like, Oh, well that's because he's supposed to. And then when he has bad games, it's like, Oh, he's a terrible player. Like it's really not like, that's not fair. That's not fair criticism really. You know what I'm saying? So um it's always got to be adjusted it's a it's a moving train as tomlin says all the time and you gotta adjust your opinions accordingly on a week by week basis they could change literally each week because that's how they should be because this like you said it's a rebuilding team it's rebuilding season um all right so in your eyes defense stinks offense hey anytime my man it was a good time and for everybody just to plug uh Britsburg going real quick for everybody. I was on there last night. It was a great time. Uh, the dude hosts podcasts at like one in the morning, his time just to m- make sure that I could get on there, which was awesome. So everybody, please, uh, please go check that out because it was, it was a blast. Um, all right. Defense stinks. Offense is uh, a dog fight. Seems like a good, good line there. You know, what's coming. Okay. Let me one second. You know, I got to pull out the sticky notes. So last week, uh, oh, both winners here, I believe. What was the final score of the game? I got the I got the under wrong. So here's the thing. I'm just letting y'all know right now before we before we get before we get to the picks. I'm on a heater on taking the winner, (laughs) but do not listen to me when it takes when it comes to the over under because I have not hit on one of those. I. I think I've hit on the winner of the game four out of the past five or like, you know, the spread, but the over-unders, man, I am atrocious. So whatever I'm about to say over-under-wise, probably take the opposite on on, on that. But if you want to, uh, if you want to rock True. with me on the, on the win and lose or the spread, I think you're in good spot. You are. I'm going to make a graphic for next week so that we could see how we are heading into this final stretch of the season. But you are, you are on a heater. I actually got last I'm week's spot on, which was great. You know, that was, that might've been the first time all season that I hit both. Yeah. Yeah. I know I haven't done that. So I believe what was the final score of the game? 
I don't even know. All right, look it up. Let's look it up. Was it twenty four seventeen? Uh, might have been. Might have been. 24, yeah, 24-17. Yeah, uh, I had 28-17. I was almost spot on. Um, I was so confident in my pick last week that on FanDuel, they have, like, you could guess the exact score of the game. And I put, like, two bucks on the 28-17. to 17. I would have won, like, $20,000 or something crazy. It was absolutely absurd. And <laughs> I was, I was, that's how, I was like, I'm when I'm going to buy a new car tomorrow. Like, you know, I'm going to go put a down payment down on a house, something, something wild on Monday morning. Didn't happen. But, you know, what's two bucks? It's it just avoid a coffee for a day. I'll do it every week because, you know, I'm confident in my picks. That being said, Steelers walk into Atlanta, home of the Mercedes. Is it still the Mercedes Benz Dome? No, it's the Chick-fil-A Dome or something, right? I no, it's it still is. the Mercedes. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I think I it's know. still the Mercedes. Thing. Yeah, I think it is, too. Um one point favorites, 42 and a half over under. They gave him a 39 and a half over under for the Colts and the Atlanta Falcons, a team that does not have the ability to throw the football at all. 42 and a half over under in week 13. What are you feeling? How are you feeling? 27 20 Steelers. Wow. Came right at 27 to 20. All right. So let me ask both sides of that. You think you think that there's a three touchdown game from Kenny Pickett. That explains that one. You think that the Steelers give up two touchdowns and then allow them to get into the at least field goal range twice in this game. Yeah, only because um the Steelers defense like kind of inconsistent, honestly. Even true, even the the Colts offense last week, um, they still had stretches where they moved the ball. And um, I think the Falcons are going to be able to do some things on the ground. I'm just um, thinking that it's probably not going to be enough to get them no dub. But, I mean, I would be surprised if the Steelers go out and hold Atlanta to like 40, 50 yards rushing unless they get out to a big lead early, which I'm hoping is going to happen because um, – you know, Atlanta's defense, like I mentioned, they pretty much they're really struggling kind of all over the place, honestly. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that the defense is going to do a good enough job as long as, you know, there's no crazy turnovers or, you know, the kick coverage unit doesn't just fall to literal pieces like it did last week. Yeah. Um, that that would have been consistent unit in the league. That would have been very bad. Yeah, the Steelers. Did you know how up. bad that was? I was enjoying a beautiful chicken slider. That they served at halftime. Indy's food was phenomenal. Um, right. And also, when we're there for the combine, we have to go to St. Elmo's because you know everybody raves about the shrimp cocktail. And then they they're like, "Oh, you got to try the cocktail sauce." So I slathered up the good old cocktail sauce. Kabul, I should have known from the grin on Kaboli's face. I threw that thing in my mouth, and it was like Mike Tyson walked in the room, punched me right in the nose. Like it, the sinuses got so cleared, I could I could still breathe. I I'm pretty sure I could smell colors. That's how good my sinuses are since then. So phenomenal. But yeah, I was just watching. I was like, I have to go write this. Like, I can't believe that this is about to happen, but it didn't. Yeah, I agree. Special teams unit is. They're, uh, I think they're 27th in special teams DVOA right now. So they have a bottom five, bottom five special teams unit. It's been, uh, it's been rough. I think that's going to be the end of being the worst uh, finish under Danny Smith. So, 
Dang. Got some work to do on special teams. I mean, I, I think that, you know, maybe maybe uh, that could be a determining factor in this game. I'm not sure where Atlanta ranks special teams. I haven't dived too much into that yet. But if you're an Atlanta fan, that's uh, that's good for you because the Steelers could kind of just fall apart on special teams at really any point. So, All right. So before we head out here, one final prediction from our boy Eddie Spaghetti that he's asked a couple of times, and I feel we have to answer this before we head out. He'll add three on Sunday, so it'll bring him to six. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Put it in there. Alarm went off. This is two podcasts in a row. The alarm's gone off. Will Kenny Pickett have 10 touchdowns at the end of the season? Yes or no? Uh, He's about to throw three on Sunday, and you're over here contemplating if he's going to get four for the rest of the year. I want to say that he's going to get it. I, I do. I want to say that he's going to get it. I just want to look at the schedule real quick. So they play. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to because they play. Uh, they still have Vegas on the schedule. Oh, <laughs> I don't yeah. know if y'all. I don't know if y'all watch Vegas's defense. Vegas's defense Yikes. is pretty much Max Crosby and a whole lot of nothing. So I definitely like uh, I definitely like his chances at home to throw a couple against Vegas. As long as he throws one per game, I mean, we're pretty much good. So I'll say he gets there. I don't know how much higher it's going to get, but I think he gets I think he gets double digits. Do you think that he hits 10 touchdowns or 10 interceptions first on the season? Mm, probably interceptions. Uh, <laughs> even though he's done, he's done a better job take, taking care of the football yes. recently, but I, I still think uh, he's already at, what, eight? Eight. He's got three touchdowns. So even even if I am predicting kind of a breakout three touchdown game, I, I think smart money's probably saying he gets there for picks. Six to um, eight, though, that's not bad. You know, four to two, yeah. that's a good, that's a normal quarterback yeah. ratio, I feel there. But yeah, I agree. I think that he hits 10 way before <sighs> he could hit 10 this game. You know, like he could hit he could hit yeah. 10, he could hit six touchdowns, two intercept three touchdowns, two interceptions. I'm still walking away from that game feeling real good about who Kenny Pickett is. Hundred yeah. percent. So. All right, well, you know, ended on a, on a note, but that's fine. It is what it is. We're getting out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk. Find us anywhere you get your podcasts and check out all of mine and Derek's work at allsteelers.com. If Derek's right, we're heading into a uh, back-to-back win week for the Pittsburgh Steelers first time all season. Enjoy the game. We'll be back on Monday. Peace.